Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Oh, that was wonderful. We've been in a series called Christmas, A Good Time. And the first week we talked about Christmas, how it's a good time for gratitude. And uh, the next week we talked about uh, Christmas, a good time for giving and why we give and uh, why we give to our church. And uh, we talked about the celebration offering and uh, how we're wanting to bless some uh, church plants this Christmas. One in the uh, fastest growing county in the United States for the third year in a row in Surprise, Arizona. And another one here in Kansas City. Uh, that we want to uh, bless uh, here in town, who's planning along Troost and about 37th uh, Street. And uh, so we'd love for you to give to that. You can listen to last week's message if you want to hear all the details about those things. And uh, we want to use some of that to uh, bless them and then some of it to uh, further the mission of Rockbrook Church. This weekend, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Christmas, a good time for good times. Next week, uh, we're going to be looking at getting your hopes up and talking about hope, our official Christmas weekend services. And uh, then we'll come back uh, for Christmas Eve and love to have your whole family back for that in here and uh, we're going to enjoy that. We're going to watch a Christmas classic movie together and redeem the story of that. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be very powerful. Uh, Loving how that is coming together. There's a couple of things in your worship guide uh, that I'd love for you to take a look at. One is a a Christmas invite that I'd love for you to give this to somebody uh, this Christmas and invite them uh, to Rockbrook Church for either the Christmas weekend or the Uh, Christmas Eve services and another is just a serving opportunity we had about 50 of you respond to this last uh, week if you already did you don't need to do it again but just another opportunity that if you want to serve at one of those eight services uh, no extra meetings no complicated answers you have to have to questions or anything like that Uh, just an opportunity to uh, put on your hat of hospitality and want to have every door covered of people wishing one another Merry Christmas and we've got some extra fun things that we want to uh, pull off that that's going to need some extra help to pull off so uh, there's an opportunity there uh, for you for that. This weekend though a good time for good times. Turn to your neighbor and say you look like you could use a good time. You look like you could use a good time. Yes you do. Yes you do. I love a good time. I love to laugh. One of my favorite childhood memories is going to Iowa with my family and going to church with my grandparents. And uh, my family, we almost uh, never all get to sit together in church. But when we go visit my grandparents, we'd sit together in church. And uh, it was always a disaster because something would make us laugh and we'd all be laughing. My grandparents would always initiate all of it. They'd start all of it. And how many know that the best kind of laughing is when you're not supposed to be laughing. That's, the, I, that's my favorite kind of laughing. Nothing like laughing when you're not supposed to be laughing. I see that happen to you and your family while I'm preaching sometimes that something will get you guys tickled and you guys just, you're trying so hard not to laugh. And I want to join in because you think I didn't see it, but I saw it, I did. And it's so hard not to laugh. We did a, a wedding in here a couple months ago and... Uh, it was so beautiful. A couple just turned this place into an amazing wedding venue, and uh, they come down. We rehearsed the thing so many times, and they come in, and they come, and everyone's in place and just looking perfect, and everything's 
great. And I start in and I say, dearly beloved, we've gathered here today. And as I do that, the father of the groom pulls out this giant Mountain Dew from underneath his chair and open and the, the, his wife give, just gives this eye roll and death stare that would like, it was like collateral damage I was getting from that and just, oh, I just wanted to curl up in a ball and laugh. And another time, Pastor Kelly came up to do an opening prayer and a cell phone went off and that's just pretty normal. I mean, that happens almost every service now and we just pay no attention to it, we just move on. But this cell phone was the loudest cell phone ring you'd ever heard in your life and the ringtone was... Girls just want to have fun. All the way through the prayer. Go, 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 girls just want to have, they just want to, they just want to. And I was just gone for the whole service. But many people think that church is supposed to be like a no laugh zone. In fact, many people think that the more, that the more serious someone is, the more cynical, the more grumpy, the more skeptical someone is, that the wiser they are. Like our culture is bought into this lie that the more of a skeptic someone is, that somehow they're smarter than the rest of us or they're wiser than the rest of us. Yet the Bible depicts God, our creator, rejoicing over us with gladness, commanding and initiating festivals and parties and celebrations, Jesus having a good time. It's the enemy who is working overtime to suppress our joy. He doesn't want us laughing when we're supposed to be laughing. He doesn't want us walking in joy when we're supposed to be joyful. And so he gives us things that are an imitation of joy that won't really give fulfillment. And we end up hanging our life on a hook that never really helps us or brings sustaining joy. The enemy works over time through addiction, through pain, through grumpiness, through problems, through stress, uh, relational conflicts, all these things so that we don't experience the fullness of Christ and the joy of Christ and the absolute fun and fulfillment it is to be a Christ follower. He wants us to believe that that is somewhere else. It's why we celebrate Christmas every year, to remind ourselves of the joy of the good news. And uh, I I love just a few years ago when I realized I was going to be preaching on Christmas every year, I I just decided in November of each year I was going to read through the Christmas stories and the gospel Just soak it in and see what God had for us this year. And this year I just appreciated what seemed like a joy ride through the Christmas story and through the Gospels. Would you look at it with me in Luke 2? It says that night, so this is the night that Jesus was born. There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, which this is the definition of the gospel. The gospel is good news that brings great joy. Verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And at this time, in this day, when when a king was born, there was a great celebration in the palace. Uh, But when this king was born, the celebration took place in a manger. 
And it took place on a hillside with some shepherds. An interesting point of history here that it was these fields outside of Bethlehem where the temple flocks were kept. So these flocks of sheep uh, would be the sheep that would be sacrificed in the temple as an offering, a sacrifice, an offering for the sins of the people. So here are the shepherds hearing about a Savior who will be the ultimate final sacrifice for our sins. The angels are essentially announcing to them that they're going to be out of work very soon or their job is going to be changing. Every sheep that was sacrificed was pointing to an ultimate sacrifice, the death of Jesus. So how beautiful that this announcement would come to them. I love how God does it. This is, this is God's birth announcement. Have you noticed the, tr- the trend going on uh, of birth announcements and, and gender reveals in our culture? You know, it used to be that you'd just send a card or an email or you'd pick up the phone and tell someone, but now there's a photo shoot and you do something big and you hire a blimp and all these different things. When Lauren was pregnant with Landry, our oldest, she said, what are, you gonna, what are we going to do uh, to tell people that we're having a baby? And I said, we're going to tell people we're having a baby. And she said, no, it's like you do something bigger than that. But I've seen America's Funniest Home Videos, and I know that these generally don't work out well, and gender reveals and birth announcements can go horribly wrong. Wouldn't you know that God takes the cake when it comes to a birth announcement, that nothing's ever going to top the birth announcement of the King of Kings. It says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. For it was just as the angel had told them. I love that what changed in the shepherds can change in us too. That this transformation that happened in them can happen in us. When Jesus was older, uh, he's talking about sheep. And he says something amazing about life and the dynamics of life that are happening in John 10. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That word thief there means literally like a pickpocket. That the thief who is coming in to steal our life and steal our joy, that he's not wearing on the front of his shirt the word thief. That he's not coming in a red tail and horns that sometimes he's coming into our situations and we don't even know that he's been there until later we turn around and we say, what happened? Where is this thing? Where is my joy? Where is this life? Where is this thing? And he sneaks up into our marriage, into our work, into our dreams, into our hopes, and he takes things from us sometimes without us even noticing unless we're intentional about our choices and our decisions. 
It means that there's a divine order to joy. There was a divine order to joy. There was a divine order to Christ's joy. It says that uh, Jesus went to the cross. When he went to the cross, it was because of the joy set before him that he could get through it. That one of the reasons he could endure the pain was the joy he was looking forward to on the other side. That not all the times are we going to feel joy. The, The manger wasn't pretty. The Christmas story is not pretty. The cross is not a happy place. It was a place of death and sacrifice, but he went through it because of the joy set before him. There's a divine order to our joy, just like there was a divine order to Jesus' joy. If you're taking notes, write this down. It's just in the word joy itself, as joy begins with Jesus. That's where it starts. It begins when we put Jesus first. If Jesus is not first, then you're out of the divine order of joy. All our joy cannot be based on the here and now. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The O in joy stands for others, that we must help the weak, we must notice others. You won't find joy when it's all about me, myself, and I. You find joy when you put others first, and the Y in joy stands for, finally, yourself. Yourself is then. So I'm not first. Guess what? I'm not even second. I'm further down on the list. And if I want real purpose and real joy in my life, I'm going to seek first Jesus, his righteousness, his kingdom, and then all these things will be added to me. He will take care of everything I need. This is actually how your needs are met, not when you put yourself first, but when you put others first. Think just on this joy ride through scripture that we're taking today. A verse that sums this up so well and sums up this divine order to joy is found in Isaiah where Israel is going through so many hard things. And if you looked around at that time, things were not good. Most news was bad news. I don't know if you've ever had a day like that where you think this just could not get any worse. That there's just, uh, uh, just all bad news, just all bad things. And, but God spoke a truth of, of some of the things that he saw. Israel was not able to see in those moments. In Isaiah 9, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, it's not only darkness, in deep darkness, a new thing has come, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at a harvest. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder, when getting a trophy. Can I tell you something? The only way a warrior gets a trophy is to go through a battle. And so often in our life, we think the battle is the problem, when really it's how we're handling the battle that is the problem. God says, if I'm there for you, there's going to be an increase in joy. That when you go through the battle, you're going to get something out of it. That encourages me because I don't want to go through the trials of life and the battles of life and the confusion of life and not get anything out of it. I want to learn a lesson. If I'm going to go through the valley, I might as well get a victory on the other side. If I'm going to go through the pain, let it find some purpose. If I'm going to go through this battle, let it bring joy to somebody else's life. Let it increase my joy. And could there be more joy than we're experiencing on the other side of our battles, on the other side of illness, on the other side of death, on the other side of our marriage, on the other side of our parenting? 
Let there be a victory, increased joy. I prayed this to God several years ago. I said, God, I want to have more joy the older I get. I wrote in my journal, God, you're probably not going to save me from becoming an old man, but could you please save me from becoming a grumpy old man? It just doesn't make sense to me. Boy, he's, he's so mature. He's so hateful. It just doesn't make sense. But people think this. They th- oh, he's so mature. He must, he's so cynical. He must have some life under his belt. No, I don't want that. I want the longer I'm married, the more joyful it becomes. The older the kids get, the more joy I want to experience. Lord, help me to be the person that the longer I'm in church, the more joyful I am. That the longer I lead a small group, the more of a pleasure it is. That the longer uh, and the more money I give to my God, that the, the more joy I experience from it. Let there be an increase of joy, not less. There's always more joy in God than in anything else. And why we grow more cynical, why we grow more grumpy is because we start looking for joy in the wrong places. Are you looking for joy in all the wrong places? Where is more joy to be found this Christmas? Well, if there's a divine order to joy, there's a divine order to finding more joy this Christmas. And if it begins with Jesus, where do we find more joy this Christmas? Number one, joy is found beyond circumstances. More joy... It's not going to be found in the good things of life. Lasting joy is not going to be found in the perfect job, the perfect career, perfect things, the perfect gifts of life. It comes with walking with God. Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Joy is based on the truth of God. It happens when we take a step of faith, a step of obedience, when we are shown the way of life and we walk in it. Joy is not going to be found in your circumstance this Christmas. It's going to be found in the Holy Spirit, beyond your circumstances, of Christ in you by way of the Holy Spirit is where it is found. So joy is found beyond circumstances. Number two, joy is found with others. Joy is not found on the pathway of me, myself, and I. It's found in serving together, in giving together, making a difference together. We find life-changing joy in others, reaching others, serving others, celebrating others, giving to others. There's a fullness of joy. They're more blessed to give than to receive. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Luke chapter 15. And you may not know that reference, but you've heard of Luke 15. It has one of the most famous stories, parables that Jesus told of the prodigal son, where the father gives two sons their inheritance, and one son stays with him, honors the inheritance, honors his father. The, The prodigal son leaves, sins against his father, blows all the money, finds himself eating with pigs. He ends up coming to his senses, and when he comes home to the father, before he can read his apology letter, the father welcomes him home and is throwing a celebration. Don't you know that was a good time? Another of those three stories is a woman who loses a very valuable coin, and she drops everything to look for it, and as soon as she finds it, she calls all of her friends to come over, and she throws a party. 
The third parable, the third story, is about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep, but one leaves the fold. He loses one. Instead of being content with the 99, he goes after the one that is lost. And while reading Luke 15 the other day, I, I had never noticed what sparked Jesus to tell these parables and to tell these stories. I was always focused on the salvation part of the stories, which is very powerful. Jesus is making profound points about salvation, that he's distracted by that which is lost. He's looking for the lost. Thank God he'll leave the 99 to come after the one. Otherwise, we would not be found. But the reason he starts telling those stories is to not make those points. The reason he tells the stories is because the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law were complaining, being grumpy, and rebuking Jesus for celebrating and having a good time. They say, how could he eat with sinners? How could he celebrate with sinners? In another place, in a very similar instance, they call him a a glutton and a drunk. And so what Jesus does in these stories is rebuke them for their mindset as each story ends with a celebration over that which was found. He's saying, no, you're rebuking me for celebrating. I'm going to rebuke you for your mindset. That joy is the fruit of maturity. That if you were really walking with God, you'd be celebrating that I'm here right now. And it's not skepticism. It's not doubt. It's not cynicism. But joy that is the fruit of being with Jesus. Look at what the shepherd does when he finds the one and brings it home. Luke 15, 6, when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Real joy is found beyond circumstances. It's found with Jesus. It's found with others. And number three, joy is found in repentance. When we turn to God, that's what repentance is. When we turn back to the prodigal son, It's the perfect example of repentance because he changed his mind. He came to his senses, it says, and he went home. He turned back to his father. But not everybody likes the joy. The brother who stayed with his dad became very cynical. Actually, the other brother, he didn't like that they were throwing a big party for the son who came home. But look at what his dad says. Look at what God says. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he has found. We had to celebrate. So I love to celebrate. I actually, I love confetti. I'm a confetti guy. I believe every, if you don't have some confetti in your house, oh, I'm so sorry for you. God bless you. Maybe you get some for Christmas. But I don't think confetti should just be reserved for a dream team party like we should just have it every once in a while. I believe we need some confetti in our life every once in a while. I've got some confetti here. I've got one piece of confetti. I was thinking about one piece of confetti and this is what the enemy wants to do to us. The enemy wants to isolate us, get us separated from the party, get us alone to where we're just, want. this isn't confetti, this is confetti. And it's just one piece and we think it's more fun alone and we try to make it more fun alone, but it's not. But we try, woo, party, woo. I'm getting that new pair of shoes, new pair of shoes. But then six months later, you're cutting the grass in them. There's just no lasting joy in that. And we try to find lasting joy in the things of life, in our wants in life, in that vehicle, in that house, in that career, 
in that pathway. We try to find lasting joy there, but we find out that it's just so fleeting. It's not there. It's, it's you got to force it. It's not a real party. And when it falls to the floor, you know, real fun was never found in that. So then we think, well, maybe it's in the events of life and the circumstances of life. So we pull out a confetti cannon. And good grief, I love a confetti cannon. You can get this at Party City. This is a pocket confetti cannon. And each one of you need to have this in your Christmas survival kit in your car. That's a, that's a command from your pastor. So you need to do that this week. But we, we get into the events and we think, oh, there's fun in that. And we move from Christmas and to Easter and the big events of the Christian life. Or we move into the events of, uh, of oh, this marriage and this graduation and thing. And we think there's more joy in that. And we go, woo, party! Yeah! I've been waiting all service to do that to you. Oh, I love a confetti cannon. But we say, there's got to be more joy than that. There's always got to be more. In Jesus, there is always more. Jesus did not die on a cross and rise from the dead for us to have one moment and live from moment to moment. He did not give us the, the Holy Spirit to, to be, have to grasp at straws and, and wait for moments of, of peace in our life and love in our life and in the midst of these horrible circumstances to have an inner sense of joy. No, there is sustaining joy in the Holy Spirit. There's sustaining joy in Jesus. There's more joy in Jesus. There's more joy in Him. And some of you are wondering what I'm going to pull out now. But how many of you know that the best gifts come in the smallest packages? And so they gave me the switch. So would you please stand with me? And let's celebrate together. In fact, have you ever wanted to count off? You know how the drummer counts off the band? One, two, three, four. We're going to do that all together today. We're going to want very loudly. And it's a fast song, so pretty quickly. This is one, two, three, four. Ready? Everybody, it's an all skate. Let's all do it. Ready? One, two, three, four. There's one more verse on your outline. Jesus said that every time someone declares Jesus is Lord, the heaven throws, heaven throws a party. Jesus said, count on it. It's kind of a party that God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. When someone says, I no longer depend on me, myself, and I, I no longer depend on the things of this world, my past, my hurt, my shame, but I find my joy in Jesus. Can I tell you the thing that we celebrate most here at Rockbrook? It's when these, in these moments, where someone says, I'm trusting, I'm believing in Jesus Christ. When they get baptized, when they move forward in their faith. Let's pray together. Maybe you're in, in life going from one fake celebration to another right now, trying to be cheered up by things that are actually causing consequences, but not joy. I pray that if you're walking the spirit of heaviness this Christmas and if you feel far from God if inside you feel broken that you would turn to Christ yet again this Christmas and find this divine order to joy Christ there is nothing like you Jesus there is no one like you no no preacher could fully express it no author could fully express it who you are what you've done for us. 
we fall short, but we know that just one glimpse of you could change everything. And one moment of belief and trust could change belief and trust for our whole life. So help us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.